everyone and welcome to another episode of Monday Morning Huddle. Although it is Monday morning and we are headed back to work, we do have a bright side as we're back here with our second episode of our podcast. I'm Dave Holcomb. I'm here presenting some great NFL news. We have a new segment to introduce today in addition to our fourth and long segment. And let's get right to it with our leading story being LT. The Danian Tomlinson, the new LT, uh, second generation, retiring yesterday, um, that being Sunday. Um, but first, signing as a San Diego Charger, returning to the team that drafted him, signed a contract, and then will immediately retire. That retirement, of course, taking place on Monday, the press conference, that is. It was a nice way for him to go out of the NFL, although the divorce between the Chargers was ugly two years ago. Of course, it was even more ugly because of the result the Chargers had that season, the Chargers losing to the Jets, actually, uh, in that AFC Divisional round, a season that I believe the Chargers started a 3-3 three and three and then won 10 games in a row to finish 13-3. and three. They went on a crazy run uh, winning a bunch of games in a row after another slow start, which the Chargers always get off to under North Turner, um, but got the second seed in the AFC, looked poised to perhaps contend with the Colts for that AFC title, the Colts that year almost went undefeated, if you remember, in 2009. But the Chargers, again, fell short in the playoffs. They lose their franchise player in LT. It was ugly. It was bad. And then... LT, of course, fled to the team that beat his Chargers and played for the Jets. Um, If You you can read an article about this on ESPN.com. I don't agree with everything that was said in this article about how the move for the Chargers actually was right away a good move. LT had a good season with the Jets in 2010. I think people need to remember that. Um, without him, I don't know if they would go back to the AFC Championship. Um, two, uh, I guess, last January, in 2011, Janu- January of 2011, the Jets versus Steelers uh, AFC Championship game. He rushed for nearly 1,000 yards that season in 2010 uh, with 914 in his first year in the Jets. It was, it was only last year where he really took a, a downward... Um, spiral of his career, by far the worst year statistically of his career. Didn't didn't get the attempts to even come close to the numbers that he normally gets. Only 75 rushing attempts, 280 yards. So at age 33, again, if you didn't hear it yesterday, Ladanian Tomlinson announces his retirement today. Sign, he did, did sign a one one day contract, you could say with his former team, the San Diego Chargers. A classy move by the Chargers um, and a good way for LT to go off into his retirement despite not getting that Super Bowl ring. 
But for our first question to our listeners at home that I want to present for the week, our first question of the week, would LaDainian Tomlinson return if the Jets' locker room was in a better situation? I think yes. I I believe last season, towards the end of the year, especially when the Jets lost their last three games, LT tried to keep his mouth shut. He's always been a good locker room presence for his team that he's been on. And he didn't want to add fuel to the fire because a lot was being said in the media about the Jets, about Sanchez, about Rex Ryan, about Santonio Holmes not being in the huddle and stuff like that. Um, so he kind of went went under the radar with his comments or didn't try to tried to not say much, but he, he did hint at the locker room issues the Jets were having and he noticed it even before the collapse. So I, I personally think if the Jets were in a better situation or if or if Rex Ryan had a better control of his locker room or if the you know, if the Jets weren't the Jets are in shambles uh, and you know, it could be a quick fix. If if everything works out, if Sanchez improves and Tebow becomes that great wildcat quarterback running back position, you know, everything could be all well for the Jets this season. But I don't think it was worth the risk for LT to take um, to come back at age 33. LT didn't want to play for another team, and in his opinion, the Jets aren't going to get him that Super Bowl ring. But I'd love to hear what you have to say about that. You can reach my email, dmholcomb06 at gmail.com, or tweet at me, dmholcomb. We're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be back with our new segment. Welcome back to Monday Morning Huddle. We hope that we're brightening your Monday morning or whatever morning or time of day you could be listening to our podcast. Again, I'm Dave Holcomb. We're going to introduce a new segment to our show this week. It's called NFL Player in Focus. Uh, We're going to take a different player every week um, and put him in our focus, kind of analyze him, analyze his situation with the team, and really break down his statistics and, and and his ability for our listeners out there. This week we're going to go with a player who's could end up on the PUP to start the season for the Pittsburgh Steelers, a team that personally I pay a lot of attention to. I, I watch all of their games. I'm originally from western Pennsylvania, the city of Pittsburgh. Both, that was announced over the weekend that both Richard Mendenhall and nose tackle Casey Hampton could end up on a physically unable to play list to start the year, which, for those of you who who don't know, could means that they're ineligible to play in the Steelers' first six games of the season. Uh, and and within those first six weeks, the Steelers do have their bye. So if those players end up on that list, Mendenhall and Hampton will not be able to play until week eight almost already halfway through the season. 
as much as we've seen uh, controversy with other teams, the Steelers haven't gotten a lot of media attention, uh, which in my mind is good um, in the off season. But the Steelers do have some pretty big question marks. We could we could talk about we could talk about the offensive line um, with possibly becoming one of the youngest lines that the NFL has ever seen uh, with perhaps starting two rookies on that offensive line. Will that be able to uh, help the Steelers improve and get them to where they want to go, which is another Super Bowl? Uh, of, of course, the big topic that most people have talked about this offseason is Mike Wallace and his uh, long-term contract. Is he going to get that or not? Of course, he's a restricted free agent. And now, over the weekend, this comes out about Mendenhall and Hampton expected to go onto the PUP. Uh, General Manager Kevin Colbert chose his words carefully, saying that his guess is that these two players would end up on that list. I guess that doesn't... (laughs) I guess that that doesn't mean it's definite. There is time for these two players to make a recovery in order to start week one. Of course, we should remind listeners that both suffered... ACL injuries late last year. Richard Mendenhall's was week 17 to the Cleveland Browns. Casey Hampton's was in the wildcard weekend against the Denver Broncos. There was a good article by Jacob Promuk, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, about Pittsburgh's, the Pittsburgh Steelers' overrated and underrated players, a series that has been coming about every team that you should check it out. check out your own team. And he actually listed Richard Mendenhall as the Steelers' most overrated player, which I thought was an interesting choice. He, by some people, I think he doesn't really get the credit that he's due. He's a very talented and skillful back that doesn't get mentioned with the top backs in the league. Of course, the Steelers going with a more pass-oriented team with Ben Roethlisberger and Bruce Arians' offense lately, and I, I expect them to continue that with Todd Haley, but they do need to have more of a balance and run Mendenhall, and he certainly has the skill to do it, but he give, he brings up great points, that is, Pramuk, in his article about how Mendenhall spins too much, and he, he doesn't run to his offensive line, he doesn't fit the Steelers' system well. Mendenhall can be a bruiser, he can have burst-out speed, but he doesn't go forward all he doesn't go north and south all the time he goes east and west spins and the steelers would much rather see him run at a guy and try to run him over than try to run around him and to be honest i think the steelers will will see some improvement in their ground game once the offensive line gets more comfortable when isaac redmond starts at the beginning of the season if indeed mendenhall is unable to make that start week one, but Mendenhall can certainly be that back that the that becomes the next great Steelers running back. They've seen Franco Harris go to the Hall of Fame, Jerome Bettis go to the Hall, or will be a Hall of Famer, I think, next year. I'm jumping the gun a bit. I'm not saying Mendenhall is going to be a Hall of Famer, but Mendenhall can certainly be a great running back for them for for years to come. Looking at his stats, he'll be. In his fifth season with the Steelers, in his first season in 2008, he only started one game. Actually, 
got injured in the fourth game of the season and was out for the season. Had a little rough go at his first year starting in 2009. At the beginning of the season, Tomlin sat him, but then he ended up rushing for 1,000 yards, rushed for 1,200 yards in 2010. Last year, it was a down year. Uh, again, last year, I think he, he tried to spin and go east and west a little bit too much, only ended up with 928 yards. But he he has the skill, as I said, to be a 1,000-yard back every year. Uh, and, and with Isaac Redman complimenting him, he should only improve, and the Steelers' running game should only improve, especially with the upgrades uh, they made at the offensive line in the offseason and in the draft. Well, that's what I think about Richard Mendenhall and our player in focus, but don't forget to let me know what you think. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll come back with fourth and long segment. I found out a man ain't just being macho. An awful lot of late night driving food Drank a lot of take home pay I thought I was the Duke of Earth When I made it with a red haired girl in the Chevrolet Oh yeah We were keeping the faith Yeah, 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 yeah And we're back here with the podcast Monday Morning Huddle I'm Dave Holcomb Thank you for joining us today Hope you're having a great June, nice and sunny wherever you are. We're going to move on into our fourth and long segment. Once again, this is our segment of our show where I name a story that's happened uh, in the NFL. I try to pick stories from our website, footballnation.com, and I either go with the story, I agree with it, which means I'm grunting on fourth and long, and if I disagree, I'm going to punt. So here we go. The first story is from Michael Stewart, a writer that's been on our website, footballnation.com, for a while. He has 61 articles written uh, from the New York area. He's writing about the New York Giants. Is Eli Manning vastly underrated by his peers? NFL Network does rankings of the top 100 players in the NFL, and Eli Manning this year fell in at number 31. And of the quarterbacks... Number five, behind Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, and Ben Roethlisberger. Now, I think you could have an argument that Eli Manning should be ahead of Ben Roethlisberger. I think at this point in their careers, they're almost identical. Obviously, they were picked in the same draft. They've been in the league the same amount of years. Ben Roethlisberger experienced success very early on. You could argue Big Ben was on a better team has had a better defense, but Eli, you know, the Giants defense has been very good. I think the Giants defense, you could argue, carried them to that first Super Bowl, though Though Eli was great in the playoffs and obviously great in the Super Bowl, uh, Super Bowl 42 I'm talking about, and then was great last year. He carried that team into the playoffs and then to the Super Bowl, winning a second MVP uh, in this, in that Super Bowl. The one edge that Manning has over Roethlisberger is Eli has the two Super Bowl MVPs. Roethlisberger does not, uh, does not have either game Super Bowl MVP. Um, so, so you could argue Eli is better than Ben Roethlisberger. I don't see how you could really put Eli over Brady, Rodgers, or Breeze, uh, unless you are going s- specifically on the number of rings and you put him ahead of 
Rodgers and Breeze. That, but still, I think that gets a little tricky. But anyway, it's so hard to really say this play is overrated, this player is underrated. It's great to debate, but your perspective of whether he's overrated or underrated is based on his perception and, and how he's perceived by his peers and, and others. And the last few years, I think the NFL, or I should say the media, is always quick to jump on that quarterback that wins the Super Bowl, or, or that quarterback that wins the Super Bowl MVP. It seems like of the last, I'm going to take a guess, at the last seven Super Bowls, the quarterback has won the Super Bowl MVP every time, except those two that the Steelers, uh, the two Super Bowls the Steelers won. They, go figure. Um, ben Roethlisberger not getting any love. Uh, well, or you could argue he doesn't play MVP caliber. But anyway, my, my, my point is we're quick to say that Drew Brees is the best quarterback in the league after he wins the Super Bowl and Super Bowl MVP. In 2011, in February, Aaron Rodgers is the best quarterback ever. He won Super Bowl MVP. He He's so cute. Let's put him in this commercial. Well, you know, let's take a step back. Yes, Breeze is great. Yes, Rodgers is great. But we still have Tom Brady. At the time, we still had Peyton Manning. And the same thing should be said for Eli. Uh, we still have these other great guys in the league. And he's not going to be ranked ahead of them. Again, I think Roethlisberger and Manning could be interchanged. I can see either one ranked ahead of the other. I, I don't know. I didn't look specifically into the rankings to see what other players at other positions were ahead of Eli, but I don't see 31 being that bad of a position for Eli for you know the overall ranking of where he is among all the NFL players. So I guess I'm punting Michael Stewart's claim that Eli Manning is underrated. Moving on to another story from Jacob Primuck, uh, DJ Williams, a defensive player, a linebacker from the Denver Broncos, accidentally tweeted a play from the Broncos playbook, defensive playbook that is. Primuck looks at both sides saying that, you know, perhaps he should be suspended or or people have been calling for him to be suspended, saying that um, it was uncalled for, that it was a stupid mistake. And then he also mentioned that, you know, head coach John Fox and Champ Bailey just brushed off the incident and didn't, didn't think it was that big of a deal. I, I don't think it's that big of a deal. Um, so I'm, I'm punting the idea that he should be suspended by the NFL. I, I think that's absurd, actually. I think if anybody's going to suspend him, it would be the Broncos for giving away one of their plays. That being said, it wasn't that big of a deal. That play can be easily seen in game film, as the author points out in this article. And it's it's just it's just not that big of a deal. I think next time he tweets, he's going to be a little more careful. And we've seen a lot of mistakes now on Twitter. I don't know when these players are going to learn that Twitter is actually really dangerous to have as a player. It's a very powerful tool for a lot of professions, 
but as an athlete, it really can only lead to bad things. Personally, I wouldn't have one if I was an athlete, but, um, you know, <laughs> they have the right to do whatever they want. Uh, but interesting story, great, very well, uh, very well written. Um, but I, I don't think it at the end of the day, it's that big of a deal that this has happened. And our final story for our fourth and long segment is Cleveland. It's actually a, an older story that's resurfaced. Um, the the story that I'm going to reference is actually about a month old but still relevant today. It's written by Joe Feld, uh, moving to another team in the AFC North, the Cleveland Browns, and their possibility of trading quarterback Colt McCoy. Now, this article was written in the middle of May, talked about how Colt McCoy should not be traded um, from the Cleveland Browns, and I'm going to grunt. I don't think he should be traded. I, I, I don't really know why they were so quick to give up on Colt McCoy. Um, I, I, I see that Brandon Whedon is a great player, um, was, was fantastic at Oklahoma State, um, but there's really not a lot of guys around Colt McCoy. You know, give Colt McCoy Trent Richardson, and I think he's a lot better quarterback, and Whedon is going to step in and start day one with Trent Richardson, and people are going to say, oh, he's a great quarterback, but a whole lot of that has to do with Richardson in there. That could be a situation we find ourselves in in September or October if the Browns see some success with their young guys at quarterback and running back. But even if Colt McCoy doesn't start, I think he should remain on the roster, just like Joe Fell argues in his article. He's a young guy. He's a young quarterback. He's younger than Whedon, actually. Whedon, I think, is 28, if I'm not mistaken. To give up on McCoy, there there are a lot of quarterbacks that don't mature or, or, or don't have the right pieces or the right coaching around them to flourish. We saw that with Alex Smith. Finally, he flourished last year, and I think he conti- will continue to with um, Jim Harbaugh. And to, to reference somebody from way back in the day, Terry Bradshaw. Terry Bradshaw took a very long time to mature and get the offense um, under his belt enough to become a great quarterback. And he did pretty well in, in the Super Bowl category, I would say. So I always reference him when organizations are quick to pull the trigger on their quarterback. I always say, hey, if in the right situation... I think Colt McCoy could do well. Once again, you can tweet at me at DMHOLCOMB. You can also email me at DMHOLCOMB06 at gmail.com. Let me know what you think about this show. You could uh, ask me something to include next time or just drop a comment about anything NFL-related. We'll be right back to wrap up this second episode of Monday Morning Huddle. And that just about does it for our show today as Football Nation presents 
Monday Morning Huddle. I'm Dave Holcomb. This is the second episode of our show. Don't forget, next Monday will be the next show's posting. I hope you have a wonderful week. I hope all our fathers out there had a great Father's Day yesterday. Of course, this original recording came out on Monday, June 17th. I just wanted to close with referencing one more article on our website, footballnation.com, written by Ethan Dermers. He ranks what he believes is the top 20 pass rushers in the NFL. It's a great read. Uh, Lots of details on all 20 players. It's actually four pages long. You can find the player that you like or prefer to read about. There's lots of information on everybody. Or if you have the time, read all 20 players. It's very interesting, and drop him a comment on what you think about his rankings. Personally, I think he has Terrell Suggs a little bit too low at number 11, especially coming off his Defensive Player of the Year award. I would say that he deserves a little more respect. What's also interesting is two Steelers, two outside linebackers from the Steelers, are in the top five pass rushers in the NFL. Certainly, Lamar Woodley and James Harrison are great pass rushers, but to have two of the top five on one team did stick out to me as being surprising. But let let, uh, him know what you think. And don't forget to drop me a comment on my Twitter or write me an email to let me know what you think about our show here, Football Nation Presents Monday Morning Huddle. I'm Dave Holcomb. Until next week, goodbye, fans.